in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are on week three of a series that we are doing in John chapter 17 that we are calling 17, okay? And what we are doing there is we are looking at the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden right before he was arrested and therefore it led to his crucifixion. It still astounds me to think that Jesus knew that he did not have much time left on this earth. He knew what he was about to face. He knew what was coming. And yet he took this time to be praying, not for himself primarily, but praying for his disciples and praying for you and for me. We were on his mind as he spent that time right there in the garden. And it's just such an amazing thing to think about. So dad has been spending the past couple of weeks uh, looking at that prayer. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to move on a little bit, kind of to the middle of the prayer. And there's a few verses there that I want to concentrate on this morning. And, And they're found here in John 17, 13 to 16. It says this, I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And so what I wanted to do this morning was I just wanted to pick three things out of those verses that I just read that really kind of stood out to me and I really think apply to us this Sunday morning. The first thing I find in there is in verse 14, Jesus says this, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Actually, a couple of chapters back in John, he actually kind of addressed the same theme, John 15, 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Here is the fantastic thing this morning. You do not need to battle. You do not need to strive to fit in because we're not supposed to, okay? I find the older I get, the less, you know, I'm really less interested in fitting in. And it's true. We are not of this world. We do not think, we do not feel, we don't have to feel like we fit in. Uh, A few years ago, uh, because it was not enough for me to follow dad down one career path, I actually, after I had lost some weight, I joined his other career path and I became a coach over at uh, Weight Watchers. And I work over there and do a couple of meetings um, every week. And what I have discovered in my time at Weight Watchers is that when people sit in one of my workshops, there is a question that I am asked over and over and over again when they join me for the first time. Now, it is a different question than the one I am primarily asked when I am up on the stage here. The question I am primarily asked when I'm up on the stage here is, where did you get your shoes? (laughs) Always the question I am mainly asked. In fact, I was thinking the other day, maybe I would just write my sermons on my shoes, stand here and say nothing, because you're all focusing on them anyway, right? But it's a different question when I get to Weight Watchers. And the question that I am asked there is, 
Where's your accent from? See, here's the thing. I have lived here almost 30 years. There is not much of an accent left. Yeah, there is. I don't think so, right? I'm a US citizen now. I pay my taxes here. I vote here. But as soon as we are having a discussion on Italian food, and I try to convince them that a tomato sauce is going to be better for them than a carbonara, it's pretty obvious I don't fit in. Something is different. And then if we talk about parking our cars in the garage, all bets are off because it's really, really plain for everybody to see, you know, she's a little different. That's how we're supposed to be. We live here, but guess what? You know what folks should be saying about us? You know, they're a little different. So tomorrow, if you go to work and all your workmates there are chatting about the number one show on Netflix, which is a Regency drama that everybody is talking about and watching, and you're not able to participate in the conversation because you've chosen not to watch it because for obvious reasons, Sorry, I just laid a guilt trip on all of you who have watched it already, right? That's okay. We're not supposed to be like that. If you go to school and all your schoolmates are talking about the latest Cardi B album and you haven't been able to listen to it because there is not one track on there that does not have an explicit warning, believe me, I checked before I used this as an illustration, guess what? That's okay. We are not supposed to fit in. If all of your small business owner friends that you know are talking about the way that, you know what, I've worked out how I don't have to pay all my taxes. And you have absolutely nothing to contribute to that conversation because you're paying every single penny that you owe. That's how we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be different. We are not supposed to fit in. It should be obvious to everybody around us that there is something different about us. Let me just say this when it comes to TV shows, music, books, all that stuff. Here's the filter that you use. Philippians 4.8, okay? Philippians 4.8 tells you to think about things that are true, that are holy, that are honorable, that are right, that are pure, that are admirable. If it fits into that criteria, then yeah, it's good. If it doesn't, not so good. Actually, let me give you the filter I've been using for quite a while when it comes to TV shows and things like that. If you would be comfortable watching it while dad was sitting on the couch next to you, <laughs> right? Now, dad for me, pastor for you, it's slightly different. And if you're not, think about how Jesus feels because he is sitting on the couch next to you, right? So if it doesn't fit into that, we don't need to be watching it because we are different. We are called to be different. Jesus said we are different. We're not of this world. So what do we do? Romans 12, 2. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. We're suppo we are called 
to be different. We are not supposed to have the same principles. We're not supposed to participate in the same practices. We are not supposed to have the same pleasures the people of this world have. Those things are no longer ours, because you know what? God's changing the way I think. And guess what? My thoughts are to do what is good and pleasing to him. First Peter 2.9 says this, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Holy is a word that we see a lot, and we see it in different aspects and different uh, meanings and definitions, but here's what it mainly means. It means this, that we're set apart. We are dedicated, we are devoted to God. So guess what? When it says, I am a holy person, it means I'm set apart for God. I'm not supposed to be part of the herd. I'm not supposed to be part of the crowd. God has called me, and I'm his now, and I'm set apart for him. Colossians 3.2 says this. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So how do we set ourselves apart? There's three ways I think that we can this morning look to to say this is how we set ourselves apart. Number one is this. We live to please God only. We live our lives for an audience of one. Okay? And despite what the world may tell us right now, that you do whatever makes you feel good, doesn't matter what it is, there are no limits to it can be the craziest, wackiest thing. But you know what? If it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. Not how we live our lives. We live our lives for whatever pleases God. We live our lives for whatever fits in with what God tells us to do. I live my life for God not for anybody else, including myself. We're guided by God's word. Again, popular culture is kind of going completely against what's in here. Okay? Time and time and time and time and time again, you will be confronted with things and you've got to say to yourself, you know what? Does it fit in here? Why it's so important that we know what's in here. Because some of it sounds, well, could be right. I don't know. Sounds good. Not if it doesn't fit in with what's right here in God's word. That's what sets us apart. And thirdly, let me just say this. We recognize that everything we have comes from God and is to be used for his glory. So my time, my money, my talents, none of that is mine. One of the things I love about going to the DR is I get to see folks who, who go down there and I, I get to see them use the talents that God has given them in order to help people that could not help themselves or don't have the ability to do so. And, you know, it's just, it always blesses me down there to see the folks from our team sweating, toiling, doing what they need to do so that they can help these folks down there using their talents so how do we set ourselves apart we remember we're living for god we remember that we are guided by god's word and we realize that absolutely nothing that we have comes from me is mine that it all comes from god there is a second part to this verse in 17 verse 14 that may make you a little bit uncomfortable john 17 14 it says i have given them your word and the world 
has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. There are going to be times when we stand for what is right and we stand for what we believe and we stand for God's way of doing things, that it is not going to be popular. We're going to be called intolerant. We're going to be called bigots. We're going to be said that, you know what, it's just not right the way you are doing things. We are going to be hated at times. And hey, we live in a completely free religious society, but there's still going to be times when it's held against us. Talking of free religious society, sorry, complete tangent here. I was reading an article uh, last week. Do you know what country in the world has the fastest growing evangelical Christian movement at the moment? Dad's not allowed to answer because I asked him this question and he knew the answer, okay? Iran. Iran has the fastest growing church. 20 years ago, they had 5,000 evangelical Christians. That number is now at a million and growing. In a country where there is no religious freedom. Guys, we got to start pre- uh, praying bigger prayers for Long Island, right? If God can move in Iran, guess what? God can move even in New York, okay? So we got to pray. I thought that was astounding. But back to what I was just saying. We're going to be hated. They're not going to like us. And Jesus realized that when he prayed that prayer. But guess what? We still got to stand firm. We still got to be different. We still got to stand up for what is right and not back down in any way, shape, or form because that's what we are called to do. So number one, we are not of this world. The second thing I find in um, this prayer right here is this. We're here for a reason. John 17, 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Do you ever think how much easier it would be if you gave your life to Christ, and then, I apologize, but I was watching Star Trek movies yesterday, okay? As soon as you gave your life to Christ, you got beamed up, Scotty, right? And it, you went straight to heaven. Like, how much easier would it be? Or have you ever spoken to somebody and you've said to them, how are you doing? And it's like, just waiting for the Lord to take me home, right? You've all got friends like that, right? I'm not, can't be the only one. But it ha- right? It's like, we don't want to be here anymore. But guess what? Jesus actually prayed that we would not be taken out of the world but that we'd be be protected. We are here for a reason. There is one of my favorite Jesus Bible stories that is found um, in the New Testament. And it's the story about how Jesus and his disciples traveled by a boat to the other side of, uh, of the lake. And when they got there, they found this man who was demon possessed. So badly demon possessed that they had tried to chain him down, but nobody, not even chains couldn't hold him. He was ostracized, so he was living in a cemetery. He was naked because he couldn't wear clothes. He was just really, really in a really bad way. And Jesus goes to see this man, and he talks to the demons that are inside this man. The demons, recognizing who they were talking to, because even demons know Jesus' power, said, you know what, can you do us a favor? Could you just take us? Because there was actually a lot of them in there. And could you cast us into the herd of pigs that's over there on the cliff? And so Jesus took the demons, cast them into the herd of pigs. 2,000 pigs are around that, actually then careened down the cliff and committed suicide in the water right there. Proves how many demons were in this one man. 
and this one man was completely healed and completely whole. Great story. Um, and so then Jesus starts to get back into the boat. And this is why it, it's one of my favorite stories. Again, another aside is this. You actually read that story, Luke 8, check it out, okay? Jesus and his disciples take a boat through a storm that was so bad that the disciples all thought they were going to die and actually had Jesus calm the storm. They get to the other side. Jesus has this conversation, heals the man, and they get back in the boat, which tells me that Jesus did all of this for one person. Every single person is important. That story is a reminder of. So as Jesus is getting back in the boat, this man who had been so demon-possessed comes up to him, and he says this to him over there in Luke 8. He says, The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. See, here's the thing. You may think that your life is completely boring. There may never be a Lifetime movie made about your life. You may never have a reality TV show camera crew following you around. But we all got a story to tell. Because as soon as Jesus comes into our life and changes us, we then have something that we need to be showing. We have something that we need to be telling others. We have a purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose. Never ever think that you are here by accident, that you have nothing to contribute. You know what? I'm just a boring whatever person. We all got a purpose. First Peter 2.9, let's head back there. We were there before. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. What are we here for? Show others the goodness of God. Why? Because he called us into his wonderful light. Looking at that verse in another translation over in the message, it says this. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. What is my purpose? Why did God, uh, Jesus pray that we wouldn't leave this world? Because guess what? I'm here to tell others of the night and day difference he made for me from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And let's be honest, that work didn't stop the moment that I said, you know what, Lord, can you come into my life? It's an ongoing work that he's doing with us. So most of us have a lot of stories that we could tell. And here's the thing, there is no criteria to, for you to fulfill your purpose. You don't have to speak in front of a, a large crowd of people. You don't have to only do it within the four walls of a church. Work, school, family, so many opportunities for us to share about what Jesus has done in our lives. Going back to um, Weight Watchers a couple of years ago, Dad was out of town. Those are words I haven't said much in the past year, Dad. 
Okay, so dad was out of town and I was covering his groups for him. And this lady um, came in and she said, is Roger here? And I'm like, I'm really sorry, he's not here. I'm like, can I help you? And I was assuming she was going to have a program question for me or she was struggling with something and she wanted help with it. And she said, well, here's the thing. She said, I'm going in for major surgery tomorrow. And I came down here to see if there was any way that he would pray with me in Weight Watchers. So I said, you know what? Let's sneak over to the corner over there and I'll pray for you right now. Here's the thing that I know. Dad has never, ever preached a sermon in front of a group at Weight Watchers. I know that because he still has a job there, okay? Never, ever happened. But guess what? She was able to see a light that was shining. Our food pantry is on a Wednesday now, and I, it breaks my heart every Wednesday morning when I get to the office, and then as the morning, we open at 10. By about 8.30, the cars are down the side of the building out to the street and have started going down. People get here really early. There's so much heartbreak in the world right now. And from what I understand, um, they come to like, they go to different stations outside, they pick up food and all the great things. The pantry uh, volunteers are doing an amazing job with them. A couple of months ago, they started asking them an additional question on top of, do you want beef or chicken or pork or stuff like that? They started asking them, would you like us to pray for you? Do you know, that's it, no pressure. The question is just thrown out there. Would you like us to pray for you? And then they say, if you would, if you could head to another station and dear Rosie is manning the prayer station over there. My understanding is the majority of the clients who come to our pantry say, I'd love somebody to pray with me. Our world is hurting right now. People are in a bad, bad way. They're scared. They don't know what's happening. They, they do not need us when they tell us what is going on in their lives to tell them why politician X is to blame for everything going on. They don't need to know your thoughts on masks or vaccines. You know what they need? They need Jesus. And you know how they're going to know that you have him? Shining through you. Light is shining through you. Can I just recommend or just, just suggest to you this morning? People share with you. I've had this happen to me. I will say to people who, who would never come in these doors, do you mind if I just pray for you? You will find the overwhelming number of people at the moment are astounded that you would care to just spend a little time praying for them. It is an amazing gift that we have been given. You don't need to preach at them. Why are we here on earth? You know what? We're here on earth to shine God's light through us in whatever way we can, with words or without words, so that people know that there is hope at the moment, so that people know, you know what? There is an answer at the moment. So that people see that we are people who live in faith no matter what is happening around us. We're not afraid. We're not scared. We're not worried because we know who has all the answers. And he's not in Washington or in Albany, right? He's right in heaven. That's why Jesus prayed that we would remain in this world. Matthew 5.14 tells it this way. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. 
We are the light. Now, we are not meant to be a spotlight. I am not meant to get any of the glory from this. I am not meant to shine on, wow, this is the amazing things that I'm doing or what is happening. What I do is I take God's light. It comes through me and I shine it out to the rest of the world. And guess what? Every single one of us is called to do that this Sunday morning. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a speaker. You don't have to be a motivator. You are called to shine your light to everyone you come in contact with. Can you imagine this week if we all did that with a person a day? The impact that we would start to have on those around us. The impact that we would start to have on our island. The impact we would start to have on our country. And that is why Jesus prays that we stay in this world. Matthew 5:16 in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The biggest light that I have is my life. My words, my actions, my attitudes, my decisions have the power to light the way for others to come to Christ or if I am in complete darkness and I am shining nothing, guess what? I therefore watch them wreck on the rocks. Okay? Lighthouse. You know what? Let's show people the way to go. Let's show them where to get to. Don't compromise. Don't improvise. Don't criticize. Shine. Our roles and our purpose here on earth are to show God through us. And then quickly, third thing I find in this prayer from the verses that we looked at, John 17, 15 says this, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, it's the part we just covered, but to keep them safe from Satan's power. See, here's the deal. We must never forget that for those who love Christ and have committed to a relationship with him, there's an invisible war that's going on. Unseen, invisible, unheard, but felt in every aspect of our lives. See, Satan is working feverishly to wreak havoc on everything that matters to each and every one of us. Our hearts, our minds, our relationships, our children, our dreams, our purpose. And that is why Jesus being fully aware of that prays for us. He knows that the only one who can protect us from the devil's schemes is God himself. And he does. He prays that we would have protection. And guess what? We have it. The other week, Eric and I decided that we just needed some form of normalcy. So we decided to do something that we really enjoyed pre-COVID, and we went to the movies. Now, I got to be honest, if you want to go to somewhere where you feel completely safe, the movies is the place to go right now. We were in this huge theater. There, if there were 10 people there, there were a lot. I mean, it was like, it was like yes. Everything is good in the world again. We sat there and we watched whatever movie uh, we were watching. I don't remember now. It was obviously a memorable movie. Okay, so we're there. But here's what I learned. In the year since I last went to the movies, there was one thing that had not changed. Trailers. 
dear Lord, they hit you with so many. Like, you can tell Hollywood has, like, a backlog of movies, and they decided that day they were going to show us a trailer for every single one of them. It was just one after the other after the other. And really, the only one I was worried about was, when can I see James Bond? See, now you know the accent. That's another part of, I don't fit in. Brits, James Bond, it's kind of what we do. But they had a trailer there for King Kong versus Godzilla. Now, it looked amazing. Like, technology, like, it is crazy, like, what they can do now. Realistic, if that was how King Kong and Godzilla looked in real life, who knows? But I got to be honest, when it comes to King Kong, you say King Kong to me, and there is one image that I'm thinking of. King Kong is in black and white. He's on top of the Empire State Building. He's holding the woman in his hand, and he's swatting at, like, World War I planes or whatever, right? There are just some films don't remake, and it's, like, jerky animation because it was back in who knows how many years ago. But that's what I think about when I think about King Kong. Now, I got to be honest, when I think about God protecting me, I sometimes have the same image. Now, before you think, well, she finally jumped the shark, let me explain why I think that. See, King Kong has the, the woman in his hand, right? Have you all seen this? Anybody younger than like 20 has no idea what I'm talking about right now, okay? So King Kong's holding this girl in his hand. Now, he has her tight around the middle of her body. Her feet are going like crazy. Her head is lashing around. And the reason I think about that is this. See, God promises that we will be protected, but there's going to be stuff that happens. And the devil is going to mess with your head. And the devil is going to nip at your heels. And the devil is going to make an absolute nuisance of himself at times. And nuisance is probably a very low term for what some of us and some of you have been through. Probably doesn't cover it at all. Things are going to get rough. And there may be times where you feel like you're being waved around the top of the Empire State Building because you don't know which way is up anymore. But guess what? God's got you. And he's not letting you go. The devil may choose to be a pest. And the devil may pester you and get at you. But God has you so tight. You are going nowhere. We have God's protection. Isaiah 41.10 says this. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. We are not promised smooth sailing. We are not promised that, you know what, nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. In fact, here, do me a favor. Since you gave your life to Christ, if nothing bad has happened, if you'd had no troubles, no drama, no crisis since then, raise your hand for me. If you're on FaceTime, type yes, FaceTime, Facebook, type yes in the comments. My guess is not many, right? Now do me another favor. Pinch yourself. You guys are lucky for social distance. I would have had to pinch somebody else, and that would have been all interesting. Did you feel it? So guess what? You're still here, right? You're still here. You may have been through the roughest of times. You may have been through the toughest of times. You may have wondered some days if you were ever going to make it. But you were here. 
God protected you. God kept you from it. The day that you pinch yourself and you don't feel it. Yeah, that sounded better in my head. You know what I mean, right? The day you don't feel somebody else pinching you, guess what? It means that your purpose, that your mission, that your time on earth, God has decided that's the end of it, and he's brought you home, and hopefully you are hearing somebody say, well done, good and faithful servant. But in the meantime, we are here on earth. God is protecting us. It may be uncomfortable at times, but guess what? He is never, ever, ever going to let you go. And I want to remind you of that this Sunday morning. Because I know that some of you in this room are going through some really tough stuff right now. And the reminder of you, for you this morning, is this. We're not of this world. We're not meant to fit in. We're not meant to be like everybody else. We are not meant to compromise our values and the values of Christ. Number two, we all have a reason to be on this earth. You may think that you're just biding time till God calls you home. You are not. We are all called to let our light shine in whatever way, in whatever arena God opens to us. That's what we're called for. And number three, no matter what you are going through this Sunday morning, Jesus prayed that you are pre be protected, and guess what? You are. God is protecting you with everything that is going on. You are not alone. Whatever the devil may be bothering you with this morning, he may be annoying you like a World War I plane on top of the Empire State Building, but guess what? God's going to get you through it. He's not going to let you go. He will not lose you. Never lost one yet, he never ever will. And those are the things that we pull from this portion of John 17 this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this Sunday morning. We thank you and we are amazed by the fact that as Jesus was biding his time, as he was coming to the end of his time before the crucifixion, we thank you that we were on his mind. And we thank you for the example that he has set each and every one of us. God, I just ask this morning that you would really remind us of the opportunities that we have to shine our light for you. That you would remind us that, you know what, we are here for a purpose. Every single one of us, no matter how inadequate we may feel at times, that you are working through us. And Father God, I just thank you that your hedge of protection is always around us, that you have us so firmly in your grip and that you are never, ever, ever going to let any of us go. Remind us that we are never alone and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.